Good morning. Today's reading is Psalm 46. It can be found on page 480 of your pew Bible. Um, excuse me, I don't have the luxury of the large print this morning, so <laughs> work through this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said these things to you to keep you from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that by doing so they are offering worship to God. And they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. But I have said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Illumine our hearts and minds 
O gracious, holy, living God, by the power of your Spirit, plant your word in us and help us to obey. Amen. At the end of World War I, the poet W.B. Yeats looked upon the devastation around the globe and lamented, things fall apart, the center cannot hold. It's a famous line of poetry that social commentators invoke a lot these days as we witness what seems to be unprecedented turmoil and disruption there is upheaval in the orders of creation, with sea levels rising and forest fires raging. There is instability in our national life, between political parties and within. And there is roaring and foaming on the international stage as well. The United States is not the only country experiencing political turmoil. We look at Spain, where a whole region of Catalonia wants independence and the central government is taking over. As Craig Barnes observes, even when we succeed in ignoring these global realities, we're forced daily to defend ourselves against the demise of our personal worlds. We're surrounded by marriages that crumble, companies that downsize, and diseases that rob us of loved ones. So, he says, we spend the precious few discretionary dollars and hours we have going to the gym, shopping at Whole Foods, seeing a therapist, all in the hopes of keeping our little world together. Yet despite our best efforts to be healthy, things still fall apart. But the world has always been falling apart, even as the most cursory reading of history reveals Sometimes a society's demise came at the hands of an invading empire that wiped out government, commerce, worship, and culture. At other times, a deadly plague destroyed the known world. Or a devastating economic depression stripped people of their farms, jobs, and hopes for a future. Over the last few generations, Barnes concludes, we have learned to live with nuclear threats and terrorism. One of the great advantages, gifts, blessings of being part of a congregation whose members span four generations is having the perspective of disciples who have lived through, not without tremendous cost to be sure, but lived through and come out of some of history's great disturbances. The peril of our modern-day turbulence is perhaps more tremendous than former generations because of the evolution of our knowledge and technology. But if we're paying attention, we have to realize that the world as we know it is always a thread away from unraveling. Things were falling apart as far back as 600 BC when the psalmist was writing the words that Mike read this morning. The nations were in an uproar, the psalmist says. The kingdoms of the earth are tottering. In the cosmic view of the ancient Israelites, these mountains in the heart of the sea were pillars that held up the earth. 
and the mountains upon the earth that we can see were thought to be the pillars that held up the dome of the sky, a dome which held back the primordial waters of chaos. If those mountains were to crumble, as the psalmist says, the waters of chaos would overwhelm and destroy the whole created order. For the psalmist and his contemporaries, the universe appeared to be on the verge of collapse. So on a Sabbath day, the people of God came together in the temple of the Most High, and in their worship, through their psalms, they declared their faith. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Therefore, we will not fear. Psalm 46 is one of the earliest corporate confessions of faith that we have on record an affirmation of faith used in public worship as we will later affirm our faith together in a community of believers. An affirmation of faith that states, this is what we believe, so this is how we will act. Stating their faith together with clarity in the midst of worship told them where to find a rock to stand on in the shaking sea. Affirming their faith as a body of drowning people, perhaps, told them where to find shelter and strength, focused their swirling thoughts, centered their trembling hearts, cut through the sound and fury of history's confusion, and held up clarifying trail markers. Here is a path to follow trail markers to help them find their way through and remind them that the people of God have been this way before. Like the ancient Hebrew people, the early Christians who came after them left confessions of faith as well. This is the good news in which, which we received in which we stand and by which we are saved if we hold it fast. They declared as Christians were being rounded up and thrown into prison. Jesus Christ is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, they declared in the face of Rome's imperial power. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, they affirmed, when arguments and disputes arose among believers and threatened to splinter the church's witness. Affirmations of faith are scattered throughout the New Testament writings, marking a trail of rocks to stand on in swirling seas. The confessions of God's people continued in the centuries and generations after the scriptures were brought to a close as God's people gathered in the tumult of history and declared what they believed and how they would act because of it. And they left a trail for disciples who came after to follow. For 500 years, Presbyterians and other Reformed Christians have been writing confessions of faith. Because over and over again, in the hands of mortals, the universe as they saw it 
has been on the verge of collapse. Over and over again, the world as they knew it had been a thread away from unraveling. In the 1500s, the church was in an uproar fueled by national rivalries. The political realms of kings and the spiritual dominion of popes were tearing at each other, shaking the underpinnings of not only this life, but also the life to come. So in the midst of the turmoil, the people of God got together and wrote the Scots Confession, which said with direct and bold simplicity, we confess and acknowledge one God alone, to whom we must cleave, to whom we must serve, whom alone we must worship, and whom alone we put our trust. Not in kings, not in princes, not in popes, not in clergy, priests, or pastors, God alone. That is the rock we can stand on while everything else is being questioned and changed, they said. That is the shelter where we will take refuge. The people of God were marking a trail. In ensuing years, the solidarity of those Christians would unravel and they would argue and fight they didn't fight about popes anymore. Now they fought about other things that had eternal consequences for every believer. Who could be baptized and admitted to the kingdom of God? What about the Lord's Supper? The disagreements stirred up battles, even outright wars that threatened to tear the church and its witness apart. We've been this way before. So the people of God got together and wrote a confession, this time the Heidelberg Catechism. What is my only comfort in life and in death, it begins? That I belong, body and soul, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And this affirmation showed them the rocks upon which Christians of good faith could build a peaceful coexistence even when they disagreed, and ensured that the church's witness to Christ would carry on. The people of God were marking a trail. In the 1940s, the world was a thread away from unraveling again when economic depression wreaked havoc across the globe and a rabid nationalistic spirit took possession of Germany where a dictator silenced opposition, demanded unquestioned allegiance, and moved to take over the independent church. So the people of God got together and wrote a confession, the Barman Declaration, to state what they believe and how they would act in the light of it. Jesus Christ, they said, is the one word of God which we have to hear and which we have to trust and obey in life and in death. Therefore, they declared, we will obey legitimate governments and we will resist illegitimate tyranny. It was a dangerous trail they were taking, but they were following the markers left by other Christians who had traveled that way before, and they were marking a trail for those of us who follow. 
The 1960s quaked with the Vietnam War, riots in the streets, civil rights struggles, women's battle for equality, shameful poverty, the generation gap, the nuclear arms race, encounters with people of different faiths, political assassinations one after the other. The mountains were shaking in the heart of the sea as society and government and families and generations and religion were shuddering with change. So the people of God got together and found the rocks of faith upon which they could stand. In Jesus Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, they wrote in the Confession of 67. He is present in the church by the power of the Holy Spirit to continue and complete his mission of reconciliation. Therefore, we will work for reconciliation in society to overcome barriers between neighbors. We will labor for the abolition of all racial discrimination and minister to those injured by it, they declared. We will work for reconciliation among nations through Jesus Christ, the ground of peace, justice, and freedom, and we will search for cooperation and peace. We will work for reconciliation among religions, they said, approaching all religions with openness and respect and carrying the gospel to all. We will work for reconciliation among the needy and exploited with whom Jesus identified because enslaving poverty in a world of abundance is an intolerable violation of God's good creation. We will work for reconciliation in the ordering of relationships among men and women in the moral confusion of our time, they said. You see, friends, the people of God have been this way before. If we're paying attention, we have to realize that the world as we know it is always a thread away from unraveling. The world as we know it has always been falling apart, and God has always been holding it together. That is why Paul, or one of his community, wrote in 65 AD, Christ himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Contrary to Yeats' lament, there is a center that can and does hold. So every Sabbath, you and I gather in the sanctuary of the Lord as the people of God <coughs> have gathered for thousands of years to find the trail 
that has been marked for us by generations of disciples who have stood on the rock of Jesus Christ in the swirling confusion and tumult of their day and acted with faith and wisdom and courage because of what they believe. And we, in the hope of being like them, declare what we know to be true and how we will act because of it. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, therefore, we will not fear. Though the world as we know it falls apart, though the universe itself collapses, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our eternal refuge. We will not live afraid. Let the people of God say, Amen.